Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com slash give. Enjoy the message. Uh, well, good morning again. Hope you're doing well. I'm Ben. I'm the lead pastor. So glad that you uh, joined us this weekend as we are uh, continuing our series, uh, Relational Vampires. Uh, and I, I love the tagline Pastor Carlos came up with is uh, loving the people who suck the life right out of you. Uh, which, speaking of that, did you see the Seahawks game last week? Uh, yeah, <laughs> that was uh, a little bit challenging. So, uh, but hopefully they'll do better on Monday night. You know, as a pastor, I'm always conflicted around football season uh, because, uh, one, I love the Seahawks. Two, I know two more games like that, we're going to have a big fall. <laughs> uh, so uh, it, it is so fun. There's so much going on. One of the things that's going on in my family is this is the week uh, where birthdays begin. And so uh, my wife uh, is having her 30th birthday again next Thursday. And uh, so the question is, what do I buy her? Often I will turn to social media and have uh, you help me. Uh, there's also one of the, my wife is, she, she is a loving, caring person. Oftentimes there's this thing called the Amazon wish list. <laughs> and it's like, honey, just click buy. And uh, we can do that. Uh, last year uh, was a, a, a big year. Well, last year I was thinking she, she had talked about she wanted a new vacuum. And I, a friend of mine said, uh, you, will, you will die if you do that. And so um, she uh, got a new uh, car instead, which was great. Yeah, <laughs> which she paid for with her bonus from Microsoft. So uh, that's, that's just how, gen after we tithed, of course. And so uh, that was just uh, 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 generosity from her to her. So this year, uh, I wanted to, to do something different. And so... Uh, I got all sorts of su suggestions. Many of them were the same that I'd ha gotten in previous years. Uh, I should write her a love letter. I, yeah, I don't do those things. And uh, I should uh, gift card to Victoria's Secret or Soma. I'll go on to the next one. This one, uh, uh, scones from the fair, which says love. Anything from Puyallup, right? And uh, a Tiffany bracelet. Yeah, no, there's, that's not going to happen. Anyway, so the, uh, and then uh, the new iPhone. Now, that one sounds good, doesn't it? Yeah, an iPhone and a rose. Uh, any other suggestions for me? The Tiffany bracelet. Okay, that's good. We'll talk to the board then. I'll need a raise. Anyway, so the, uh, but uh, one was the uh, Salish Lodge Spa uh, and their 10-course breakfast. Which I'm like, why didn't you people tell me about this thing? That was awesome. Uh, it's, the funny thing is with my wife, and she's, uh, it's like, how do I express love in a way she feels loved? How do I care in a way that she feels cared for? Now, 
that's our topic today. And, and see, we're, we're going to talk about, as we're looking at uh, people who can be difficult, we're going to look at uh, overly needy people. Uh, because we have that. Have you ever had any overly needy people in your life? Yes, of course you have. Yeah, you have. And some of us, have you ever been the overly needy person? Yeah, that's true. We can, we can be that person. And often, I'm not talking about, you know, hey, just, you know, someone who has a need. But where it's real difficult for us to not only meet that need, but meet it in a way that it seems to help and where we don't lose ourselves in the process. Here's what I want you to know. As we look at this, this is not about you creating a safe space not to care. This is about you and me and us as a church having a deeper and greater level of compassion that is effective. And in that, that means we have to navigate this. Because it's not always intuitive. Sometimes, sometimes we have to say no to certain things to say yes to other things. Well, what, what does overly uh, needy people look like? It can come in any uh, forms. And like I said, many of us have been these people. Uh, there's the you know, people who are excessively emotional. Have you ever known people who go from crisis to crisis? And it's like, oh, you know, and this is all. And then uh, there's uh, incredibly insecure people. People who, you know, hey, that's, oh, do, do I get enough likes on Facebook? How do I look? Am I okay uh, with that? I, I, I've shared the story before that I actually knew someone who knew that most people were, were insecure. And uh, he worked at a Porsche Audi dealership. And what he would do is he would drive people in front of the dealership it had a mirrored glass wall have them look at themselves in the porsche and say don't you look good just to get them to buy a car and it worked now before you judge him too much he had to pay for seminary with that and later he became a pastor and told a lot of people about jesus <laughs> yeah i'm not kidding i did that i repent sort of but anyway uh, <laughs> uh i cannot tell you how many people were like, do I look good? I'm like, yes, brother, by today. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so, uh, but, but there's people like that. There's financial freeloaders, and I'm not just talking about your children. <laughs> I'm talking about people who, who always say, oh, can I borrow $20? Can I borrow $200? Can I borrow $2,000? And that, again, my, my wife and I, one of the things that we believe is that everything we have uh, in our family, in our finances, and even our home is a gift uh, from God. And so we've opened that up. We've had, uh, I remember our first home, we had white carpet, and we hosted a junior high group every night. That was a mistake, let me tell you that. And uh, we had, it was in Arizona, we had these pot shelves that are up high. And one time we found a couple junior hires after the party ended still hiding up there. Uh, it was crazy. Uh, we had this one guy, uh, Robert, and he was like, oh, man, I don't have a place to live. It's just so expensive. And we were pastoring in Santa Barbara at the time. And so we said, hey, we have a spare room. You can come live at our place. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty good at helping people make the most of their finances. And so a couple months into it, uh, I'm going through, I said, hey, let me help you with a budget, and I found out the guy, he had a job, that he actually made significantly more money than I did. 
and he was in my house eating my food for free. And then it was really sad. He became homeless again. And uh, <laughs> so, uh, not right away, not right away. I gave him a little bit, a little bit of time. He had five cars. That was really fun. Anyway, uh, so there's people like that. There's oh, p- talkers. People, you know, help me. I'm talking and I can't shut up. You know that? You know, if you're ever leaving a message on voicemail and it runs out of room, that's you. That's uh, you. <laughs> We have all sorts of people who can be a little bit overly needy. And then, so what, here's what society would tell you. And part of it is true. Put up boundaries. There's things you should and shouldn't do. Protect yourself. But here's where, here's where I want to turn this on its head. And if you're here and you're not a Christ follower, I mean, Pretty much every other weekend, you've heard, last two weekends in a row, you heard of people who didn't believe in Jesus, actually from an atheist, an ardent atheist backgrounds, who came to become passionate followers of Jesus. So if you're in that situation, welcome. A lot of people like that here. But once you become a Christ follower, the Bible says this, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. So if you say I'm a Christian, then here's the deal. There are some decisions you no longer get to make anymore. You say, Jesus, just tell me what you want me to do, and I'll try my best to live that out. And I believe that what God wants to do is release waves of compassion and caring that make a difference. And that, that's, that's where, because oftentimes, We can have great sentiment and no accomplishment. And I think we all want that in our lives. We want that in our family. We want to do something that matters. And so what what I want to do is I want to look at first the scripture where we're given this encouragement. It it starts like we're we're bought at a price where we we are receiving grace to extend grace. It says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So I know that if I'm a follower of Jesus, that I'm to live a life that's compassionate and caring, but we know the other reality is people will take advantage of you. People will take advantage, uh, sort of the story I told about taking in people. That, so how do we engage? How do we live in, with this dilemma? Uh, because what's a dilemma when it comes to compassion is the first one, this is your first fill-in, is we only have so much to give. And here's, I'm going to get to this a little bit later. If you are not receiving from God, you will not be able to give much. Uh, and and all, there's a practical, we all have so much time and so much money and all of that. And I'm going to talk about being wise and strategic when it comes uh, to all those things uh, in our life. Uh, my, 
you know, even my wife, my wife is uh, uh, great, you know, she has a full-time job like everyone else, but she will always collect people. Like if you don't, if you, you know, Thanksgiving at our house is a bunch of people from all, you don't have a place to go, you go to our house, we have people from, uh, you know, different nations, people from who maybe just lost a relationship or a marriage, they're at our house for Thanksgiving, uh, people from elsewhere in the country, people, uh, one of her friends came once and told me how she had been abducted by a UFO. That was an interesting conversation, and so even with my wife's level of compassion, you only have so much to give, because the truth is this, sometimes things never seem to get better, that, that our helping seems not to help. Has ever happened to you, and you say, well, it just doesn't seem to be working, and so we'll do more of the same expecting different results, which is the definition of insanity. And we can be needy. In fact, my guess is this weekend, uh, people listening uh, on our campuses. Uh, by, by the way, just uh, I don't think I mentioned this at the beginning of this service. Uh, our campuses, God is doing an amazing work. In the, like our, our newest campus, not the one in Renton, we're starting in a couple months in Castle Rock, uh, has gone from 50 a couple years ago to 150 to in a town of 2,500. There were 300 people last weekend. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Actually, there are 298, but I think the ushers missed a couple. <laughs> so I'll just round. But the, God is doing a, a, an amazing uh, work. But even on our campuses, even here, there are some of us who would say, I, can't, I don't have anything to give. And can I challenge your logic a little bit? I, there is a time to receive. But if you want to be healed whole and fulfilled no matter what's given to you no matter how much good counseling you have it will not be enough there's something that happens when we give that cannot and i and i say i know that's a strong thing to say and i don't make strong statements often but cannot happen any other way that's there's some growth in your life some sense of purpose in your life that you will never experience Apart from saying, even in my time of being needy, I give. You know, one of the, one of the reasons uh, we do so much, and you see it, we, we highlight mostly our financial giving through missions, because I think it's important to see where our money goes uh, on the, uh, uh, after the, when we receive the offering, uh, our missions. But we also have a lot of mission trips, short-term mission experiences. And part of that, yes, we build houses and churches and, and do all sorts of wonderful things in uh, our orphanage and Haiti and all those things. But you know one of the main reasons we do that is because I know that's how you're going to be transformed. That even when it's a challenge for you, even when things may not be going right with your health or, or your marriage, that somehow when you give your life away, that God is going to do a healing and a transformation and growth that could not happen any other way. That's one of the reasons we have focused on some family missions trips. Like about 100 people went down to Mexico uh, a few weeks ago. Because you want your kids to be transformed. You, I, I, I've heard this, uh, especially with our east side campuses. You know, my kids don't know how good they have it. They're entitled. And so I keep on telling them how good they have it. 
the Dr. Phil question is, how's that working for you? Do they go, oh, mom and dad, you're right. I am so absolutely blessed. I should be more grateful. Thank you. I will be that from now on. That happened never. Never. It's never. I know you think your lecturing is going to work. It is not going to work. But you take your student, your child, your young adult, someplace, and they serve other people who have real profound needs. And I get letters and emails and conversations. It's changed their heart. It's changed our family. It changed our perspective. And see, that's part of the spiritual growth process. And we, we face this, this one part of the dilemma that, that I started out with. Is that God calls you to care. That God calls you and me to care. That that's part of our assignment. We read, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with what? We say this out loud together. Compassion. That we, uh, you did way better than the uh, 8.30 service, by the way. Uh, we had a lot of people at 8.30, but they're still a little sleepy. And, and then there's the people who come to the 11.45 service. It's 11.15, they just don't show up till 11.45. And <laughs> we love them too, there's lots of them, you know, they, we don't know what they did last night, so pray for them. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but we, uh, uh, compassion. But how do I do that? How does it really work? How, how do I really make a difference with that? Oftentimes we can be afraid. I shared a story just six months ago, and I, I'm going to repeat the story to tell you the new part of the story. I, I, I shared how I was flying from uh, Tampa, where my daughter lives, to Seattle. About an hour into the flight, there's a medical emergency, didn't know what was going on. They announced it overhead. They're blocking the back of the plane, sitting next to a lady. Uh, we had had a conversation during the first hour of the flight. She said she was a nurse, got her master's degree in nursing because she loves to help people. Uh, she was uh, not a Christian. I could tell by the book it was how to, you know, you are a goddess and how to experience your own goddessness. And so, you know, had that conversation. And I was just, hey, that's great. You like to help people. They, when there was a medical emergency, they called first for a doctor. There were no doctors on the plane. And then they called for a nurse. And they, they said, is there a nurse or an EMT on the plane? And I'm like, this is awesome. She told me how much she loves to help people. She just got a master's degree. And right at that point, she puts in her earbuds. And so I thought she didn't hear, so I went just sort of gently like this on her shoulder. And I said, hey, I think you missed the announcement. They need a medical professional. Do, do you want to help? She, and she goes like this, no. Yeah, I, she's going to help for sure. So the, uh, uh, <laughs> but that's a part of the story I, I told you before, and I also told you how there was a young man who went back and helped. Uh, I actually met him on Friday, that, that guy who went back who was on that flight. Uh, his name's Jeff, great. Uh, he, he, he told me, uh, well, really I'm a, I'm a youth pastor, but I, he's in a small church, and I don't really, I make my living as an EMT. And he told me how much he loves to serve kids, yet to support his ministry habit, uh, he has this full-time job as an EMT. Well, he told me another part of the story that 
he goes and he, and he helps uh, the person who had had uh, too much medication and alcohol. Not a good mix, by the way. Anyway, uh, so they, as he gets off the plane, he had a book. And in the book, he said he found a note. And the note was from the person next to him, uh, who also was a nurse. Evidently, a lot of nurses on this plane. And she said, you know, uh, I'm a nurse. I'm also a Christian. And I heard them asking for people to help. But I was just so afraid to help. I feel, I feel sort of ashamed of myself, but I'm glad that you did that and you really have inspired me. Why do you think she was afraid to help? Because probably she'd been hurt before when she did it. And the, so the question is not do we engage, it's how do we engage? And so, again, my goal is not that we would put up walls, but that we would move forward in a way that would be life-giving to us and the people around us. Well, how do we do that? Well, as we look at the Scripture, there's four principles. Uh, the first one is really, it is that sort of barrier principle. It's that we lead with relaxed concern. I've talked about this before. That's not my phrase. Uh, Rick Warren, who wrote the uh, Purpose Driven Life, an incredible Christian leader, he came up with that term, uh, relaxed concern. This is where we show compassion without controlling. Because here's what happened. If we have to control everything, if we are always in fix-it mode, I know school's starting, right? School's going on. And you have your second grader. And your second grader has a project, right? I need to come up with a science project. And there's always that kid who comes up with the, you know, they make the volcano with hydraulics and all of that. And it's like, yeah. And so it's like, oh, my project is going to be lame. And so what do we do? We do the science project. And then we're like, oh, well, this is good. Finally, And then in junior high, we're helping with another project. And if we're not careful, we'll have a junior in college that we're still writing papers for. From personal experience. <laughs> and there's sometimes when we help, it's not helping. Jesus encountered some people who, they were worried about money. Obviously, people, health, money big deals that people worry about. And what he does is Jesus healed people. He met needs. But he points them to the Father. He says, consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn. Yet God feeds them. And then, so here's the point. And how much more valuable are you than birds? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? And so what he's saying is, I'm going to have compassion without control. I'm not going to solve every problem. I'm going to help you solve problems. That's, uh, that's one of the things that I, I love about our partnership. Our, we're actually the parent organization for Acres of Diamonds. Uh, help, helping women coming out of homelessness. Uh, we know that's a big issue in our region. And I think a lot of people, including the government, uh, 
when people doubt the intentions, like, oh, they don't really care, I think they've tried. You, you really, I think good people have tried hard. Have they been effective? Eh, probably not that effective, given the resources thrown at it. The question is, how do we help? What I love about our uh, Acres of Diamonds, which, by the way, every time you give in the offering, we're their largest financial partner. So you're helping support that. Is this process of helping those women and kids not only have a place, meals, all of that, they get all that, but being in a place where they'll get out of that situation and not have to go back again. And the success rate is, when you compare it to other programs, the success rate is phenomenal. And we're going from being able, we're doing about a $3 million expansion with that. And we're going from about 30, uh, 30, helping about 30 people to over 80. Because it's helping people meet the immediate need, but be in a place where they can help others. You know, there's something amazing happens. I, I was reminded, uh, even this morning, as I was uh, drinking coffee and reading the Bible, I've said that before, uh, I have a quiet time with God every day. I drink coffee first, otherwise God doesn't like to be around me. I'm pretty cranky. Uh, so uh, <laughs> he says, Ben, it's okay. You don't have to pray first. Get some coffee in you. So uh, there, as I was doing that, I was thinking of when I was a college pastor at a large church here uh, in this region. It used to be a large church, not so much at the time uh, today. But uh, I was a college pastor, and there was this guy who came in, he had, he had health problems, he had uh, some, definite some social anxieties, family problems, he was unemployed. Uh, he was an ardent atheist, uh, but he figured, okay, nothing else in my life is working out. Uh, and he had all these questions about God, and, and honestly, some at the time, I couldn't answer as a newly minted college pastor. So he has all these problems, and I said, I think my total solution for him was, hey, we have a college service on Friday night. Pizza's free. Come. <laughs> there he goes. And so he comes to the, that, and, and uh, he starts coming back. And I just introduced him to some other people. And we met a couple times along the way. And it was interesting, by the time I left that ministry, not only had he found Jesus, he'd found a job, He'd found a friend. He'd found a place to live. And as my very last week, as people were coming in, I saw him looking for the new person who was left out. And he was helping them. In fact, when I moved back to the area, he, he got a hold of me, still walking with Jesus. I think of a, a, another person. There was a lady who came. Uh, to the church where I was previously right before here. I've been here 10 years in San Diego. And she was a single mom with five kids, broke, had never, had, didn't have a lot of skills. Her husband, who uh, actually uh, had done some ministry stuff, and he'd, he, he had abandoned the family. He'd had all sorts of different relationships. She was willing to work on the marriage, and he wasn't. And she came so broken, and, and my wife and other people just invited her into the community. And now uh, I get to read her blog post because she's uh, one of the emerging leaders in the nation in women's ministry. And I think about my own story. I think about 
the power, the multiplying power of biblical compassion. Because you can just play whack-a-mole the rest of your life, or we can make a real difference. One of those ways is to give strategically. Uh, now, this is uh, important. Now, again, there's all sorts of levels. There's, you know, helping the person out, like, hey, do I help the homeless person or do I help the organization? You know, and that, that is one of those things. God can speak to you. I have my own opinion on what's really actually going to be the long-term uh, help for the person. Uh, and then there's, how do I engage even at church? How do I, because you know the stuff we do, and we, we just give to a general budget and give to our mission work. And oftentimes, here's what I don't like, is, uh, is that there's so much guilt around it. We're not strategic, we're emotional. Sort of like those SPCA commercials with the, with the uh, Melissa Etheridge songs in the background, and the abused animals. And I'm like, I see that abused kitty. And I don't even like cats, and I want to give money. You know, and I'm like, oh, you got to help that poor kitten. And that's what they count on because it's emotional, not strategic. And I think, the, the funny thing is I know people who are very good in their careers and their financial planning for their future, but when it comes to their generosity, operate completely differently. And uh, in, in a church environment, I've seen places where there's so much again. Guilt and manipulation instead of a next step. Uh, I literally went to a church, and uh, so I go to this church, and it's at the end of the service, and there's this offering time. And uh, you may not know the language. You might be like me and weren't raised in church, but a lot of you will know the language of tithe, which means gives, uh, and it's biblical, biblical concept. Give your first give percentage, your first uh, to the Lord. So that's a biblical concept. But here's how they did it here is uh, at the end of the service, they said, we're going to receive the offering. Before we receive the offering, will all the tithers please stand? And then I'm like, oh, no manipulation here. And then they're like, well, you're not giving a full 10%, but you're going to be a tither. Will you please stand? And then he goes, and now we're going to dismiss the service. The ushers will be at the doors with the buckets to receive your offering. If you're not a tither, we're going to become a tither. We suggest you give at least $20 today. And they were standing there with buckets and shotguns. <laughs> they might as well. That's called manipulation. Be strategic. God has called you to be generous. I mean, look at what the scripture uh, says, if we can pull that one uh, up on the uh, screen, guys. It says, and do not forget to do good to share with others. For such sacrifices, God is pleased. So that's part of it. So here's here's something that I always say: is it's like anything else, it's a process. Uh, I've used this before, uh, sort of a, a giving ladder per se, where where you just say, "Where am I?" Uh, you say, "Oh, I feel bad. I've never given anything, and I eat a lot of donuts here." Don't feel guilt. Guilt doesn't help anyone. Just say, okay, you know, I'm gonna, I've never given before. I'm going to become a giver. In fact, I always, the app is the easiest way to give. That's how, how, how I give. You can do it however you want to. Uh, just say, okay, that's my first step. Uh, or maybe uh, I give every once in a while, but I'm emotional. You know, it was a good sermon. Pastor Carlos did really good that weekend, so I'm going to give more. <laughs> or uh, that's, uh, that, that's, that's fine, but 
uh, a consistent. You know that the Bible actually talks more about priority than percentage? It talks about that we give our first before we do anything else to God. So you could say, okay, my step, I've done that, and I'll become a consistent giver. Or maybe you do. You feel like, okay, I want to do the whole biblical model, percentage giving. I'm going to figure out and give a percentage of my income, maybe uh, a tithe. And so you'd say, I've been that, and I'm going to move to that. Or a generous giver. And I know this is hard for some people to believe, but this is just not part of your DNA. But there are many of us who not only give our first and best to a tithe to the church, but to other ministry organizations as well, or special projects sometimes from time to time at church. The thing is, is just drop the guilt and start being strategic and prayerful and say, okay, God, what is the step you would have me take? Uh, we talk about this in membership class. In fact, we make you bring your W-2s to membership class. The, you know, <laughs> no, we don't do that. The, the goal, though, is because uh, Jesus actually drew the line. He says, where your money is, your heart will be also. So again, do that. You may not even go here. But this is not a Timberlake church principle. Go back to your home church and take your next right step there. Here's what uh, the scripture says uh, as, as we do this. That we should uh, put God first and do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. And then, so maybe it's generosity. Then there's also serving. And if sometimes people will say, oh, I, I give, I don't need it. It's both. And to people, by the way, you'll, you'll have a, everyone should have a ministry, most people have a ministry in the church, but you probably should have a ministry outside of the church. It's a both and. You might park cars here on the weekend and say, well, all I do is coach Little League. Do you know what a difference you can make for Jesus by coaching Little League? When everyone else is so, because, you know, parents find their own identity somehow if my second grader is going to be an amazing baseball player. And you can show up and have them with excellence perform. But also, you can show them that they're loved and accepted even when they don't perform. And so at serve, we, we do that. And again, there's so much guilt manipulation about this. This time here, okay, parents, how many of you have a, a kids in elementary school? Raise your hand. Go ahead. Raise, okay, a lot of you. Okay. This is one thing, we, uh, we're one of those families, we would all, my kids are college now, but we would always go to all the parent events at the beginning of the year, and you know what's going to happen at the parent events, right? They're going to say, and, and talk about manipulation worse than any religious environment I've ever been in, it's like, okay, who loves the kids, what parent is going to do their part? And then usually I am hiding. I found a way that even I can hide behind a four foot eleven, one hundred pound woman. <laughs> and I'll just shrink behind her. And it's like, oh, I feel guilty. And there's so much motivation. No wonder there's a compassion fatigue in our society. Because people are operating in ways they were never meant to operate, where they're not gifted. Here's what the Bible says: each one of you should use whatever gift he's received to serve others. So you might say, you know what I, I, I like to do? Uh, I like to uh, really visit people in the hospital. Do that. Or, you know, I, I like to help out with junior hires. I like, you know, it's sort of like Lord of the Flies, my favorite book. 
Uh, do that. I, I, or some people say, I remember when I went to church and I felt weird because I didn't know if this was going to be like a cult thing or what they were going to do. So I just want to greet people to let them know they can go at their own pace. This is between them and Jesus. So we find whatever gift we have. And the funny thing, just like the whole serving thing and the missions thing, we find our purpose in that. I know there, if you, I know a lot of people here at the church. I don't know all of you yet, all the campuses. But I know people who lead very, very large and significant organizations in this region. And you know what some of their best ministry is? Leading their small group. Where they invest in the lives of 12 people. They might have 2,000 employees, but they say, I want to make a difference for Jesus with that. And so we, we always want to help you with that. We can help. Now, outside the church, that's, you're going to have to find. Inside the church, we can help you with that. Part of it, though, is you can't run on empty. You can't, we're all called to give and have compassion, but you've got to receive as well. We see that Jesus, people were coming around him, and he was... Think about it. He's saving the world. He's healing people. And then read what it says. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Think about that. There's people I need to be healed. I need to spend time with the Father. I need to tell God my heart. I need to be filled up again. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Mothers of toddlers, you know what that's like, right? You go to the bathroom. You don't have to go to the bathroom. You just go there because there's a lock on that door. And you say, I'm not going to be, these children will not survive the week unless I get a few moments alone. Here, and I'm having a little bit of fun. But... There's a point where you might say, my marriage may not survive the year unless God does a work in my heart. Now, I know, trust me, I know God needs to fix our spouse. I've been praying for that for years. <laughs> but it all starts with our heart. And Jesus, will you do a work in me? Because ultimately, when we help people the most, we point back to Jesus. Like those stories I told of people who are now making a huge difference, that we point back to Jesus that He is our provider, that no matter what they're going through, they don't need to go through it alone. One of the slogans we have around here, if you've been around here, you know, we always talk about having a low shame level. About whatever your past is, that's your past. Let's move into the future, taking the next right step. But also, no one stands alone. And we want to stand with you if there's anything we can do. And that's part of God's assignment for us as a church. I'm not just talking to pastors. I'm talking about everyone here. Some of you are like, well, I can't, you know, I'm not a greeter. I anoint you a greeter in the name of Jesus. You are today. Uh, you are christened or whatever. I, I wasn't raised Catholic. So whatever happens there. Uh, but that connection ultimately needs to be with Jesus Christ. In the book of Romans, the interesting thing about Paul is he has a persistent 
sin and problem. He's needy in an area. We know part of it was his vision, although I'm pretty convinced that that's not what he's writing about most of the time. He was going blind. It was probably a sin and a struggle. And what he experienced, he shared with the people around him. He says, knowing all these things, in all the, the trouble we're having, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor the powers, nor the height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. You get it? Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ. And I've talked a lot about our assignment because I believe God wants to unleash a wave of effective compassion in our homes, in our communities, in our workplaces, through our church. But he also wants you to be on the receiving end of that as well. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I thank you that as we come into this place, we come into your presence not because it's a church building, but because you made a promise where two or three are gathered in your name that you will be here in a special way. And so we invite God, we invite you in a, in a transaction that we don't even know how it occurs, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. And in that, God, that you would empower us for your work. And as you do that, those parts of our, our lives where we struggle, where we doubt, where we hurt, where we sin, that you do a healing work in us at the same time. And we invite that. Maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ in a personal way. You know about him, you, maybe even a church person. And your step would be inviting Jesus into your life. It's not about joining a church or an organization. We'd love to be part of your spiritual growth and help you in every way. But it's about joining God and being part of His forever family. And if you've ne never remember a time when you've made that decision, I encourage you, even in this moment, silently, not out loud, you'd say to God, I want in my life, I need your forgiveness, and I know that life will be better when I follow you. I don't know what that means, but I know that's what I want. And so I come to you, Jesus. I want to do something a little different today. I also want to pray for those of us who were just in one of those seasons where we want to be effective for God's work. But we also need God to do a miracle in this moment in our lives. So Lord, I, I pray that by the power of your Spirit that you would be helping my friends who have troubled minds. Whether it's a, a deep depression or just an anxiety or restlessness. God, that, that we would invite you into those difficult places. That we wouldn't walk alone. God, that we would invite you into even difficult jobs and 
some difficult people who we're in relationship with. And God, we don't want to check our faith at the door, but we need to be wise and intentional, and we ask, God, that you'd help us in that. Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for everyone here. God, I pray that if nothing else happens today, that my friends would see themselves exactly as you see them, valued and loved and called for your purpose. And God, we just ask that we would live that out together. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church Podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.